Good day, my friends, and welcome to the Craig Shapiro Tennis Podcast. Today's show is brought to you by Diodora, brand made legendary by Bjorn Borg. Currently worn by world number 24, Jan Leonard Struff, world number 33, Alejandro Davidovich Fokina, and world number 63, Martina Trevisan. See them at Diodora.com. It's from the Czech Republic, and for the past 20 years, from his workshop that doubles as a pro shop, on 51st Street between 2nd and 3rd Avenues in Manhattan. He's considered to be amongst the most significant tennis racket technicians in the world, having consulted and customized and strung the rackets of the majority of the best players, men and women. Roman Prokus is today's guest, and this is the 2023 Technology Special. This conversation begins mid-sentence, as Roman was explaining to me Current philosophy of weighting and balancing a stick. So, you know, you could say, you know, it's against my own interest to be talking this, but I tell you, the Yonex stuff, the ESO 98, VCore 98, and all that stuff, they are great. Doesn't mean that you cannot adjust them, right? But you cannot overload it. So, if you go four or five grams or something and you tweak it a little bit, that's fine. But the second you start overloading it, and it's amazing how you see it on the court, you go from, you would see it that they hit three balls and you would be like, oh my God, it's a disaster. From this, if I put 15, 20 grams on it, it's like, it becomes not only that it's not better, it becomes like really bad. Gentlemen, you here, we are in the new office. I mean, you couldn't have moved more across the street. Like you're like almost directly, (laughs) directly across the street. So you move from one Death Star to this is a more streamlined operation. Gentlemen, you hear is the eminent racket technician in the world. He is literally wrapping a grip. He does the work. He's putting it all together now. That's Roman Prokus. Phones are ringing. We're here at RPNY on 51st Street between 2nd and 3rd. And that is what is happening. First of all, how'd the move go? Oh, my God. <laughs> Nightmare. <laughs> You know how it is, you know, it's, I am pretty good at kind of discarding old stuff, you know, and not holding on to things that I don't need to, or so I thought. <laughs> After 25 plus years, you know, in a space where you have a lot of space, so you don't throw th- things out. So then when you move, you realize how much stuff you have. Did you uncover anything um, that was sort of interesting to see? You know, what a lot of this, you know, where you're going to find all this interesting stuff in Ghana. Because we have a we have one of our you know client who is now you know goes to university and stuff, they started in order to get to university you have to be involved in your community. So she started donating tennis stuff to Ghana, to the point that now there is a big tournament named after her in Ghana. They go there every year. It became this big huge thing, and we donate everything there. So we really send hundreds and hundreds of rackets. We call them. They picked it up and, you know, so there is a lot of 20-year-old Sharapovas that you're going to see, you know, Joachim Johansson's racket now in, in kids, kids' hands in Ghana. <laughs> and, and what about, uh, like, Patrick McEnroe's Fishers? And... Uh, the, everything is there, you know. There's a really? mix of everything from, from long time ago, 20, 25 years ago. But again, you know, it goes to good hands. So it's the girl is doing an amazing job at the tournament there. Now, listen, you know, normally we do a five-step format. We're not going to do that. The French Open yes, ended yesterday. I'm just going to ask you a million questions about all different racket stuff. First and foremost, we start with the ladies, Sviantec. Sviantec wins 
her third French Open with uh, the now now she's won it with a Technofiber racket. Um, she was originally a Prince player. Prince didn't resign her after she won her first French Open. What can you tell us about this Fiontech setup? You know, Iga's rackets, I used to, she probably doesn't even know that I used to do her rackets because, you know, Prince would basically contract me to, to do the player's racket. So I would do her, customize her rackets when she was with Prince. And you see the name of the racket right now, it's Technifiber Tempo 298, right? Funny enough, her weight, at least with Prince, unless it changed, you know, a little bit recently, was 298 grams. Unstrong. That's an unstrong weight. That's a light player. That's a light racket. I played with two. I mean, I played with two ninety eight. Well, how come you're not number one? But you know what I'm saying, though. Like she's playing with everyone thinks they need to be over three hundred grams a racket. She's under. She's under three hundred grams. She's under three hundred gram. And funny enough, you know, Ash Barty. I used to do her rackets for the whole time since she came back from playing different sport. You know, she was doing exactly the same weight, two ninety eight. And that. And so when that's all strong gripped. Ready to go. What what's that weight? Add about twenty five grams to it. You know, overgrip adds about you know five, six, seven grams, depend which one. Stringing is about you know seventeen grams. Rubber bands dampener add about twenty five grams to it. So you know you're twenty three in that area in that vicinity. Um, and the Prince racket she played with mm-hmm. was. 298. What was the racket? What was the... I mean, they basically... I would have to look up the exact name of the racket, the model. But basically, Technifiber, what, you know, it always happens. They go, they dissect it, and they kind of create something that is similar, that is familiar to her in her hand, so that she doesn't have to, you know, change change her game. String pattern? 1690. String? I don't know what she's using, to be honest. Because, again, you know, I don't travel anymore to... Yeah tournaments to do the string in and those things change pretty frequently there is a lot of new things out there so i'm sure she uses some technifiber string but i don't know which one and do you remember her tensions i don't remember no. no and what about the grip she uses pretty small grip i believe it was like a four and a quarter if i'm not mistaken in general that was kind of the you know the ash Barty and all these pro players and again, I'm talking in general, right? But they use somewhat smaller grips because, you know, with the, and the lighter weights. It, it, exactly. They can move, you know, you're moving your wrist around. It's players kind of call it like it's like a ping pong. Imagine you go play ping pong. If, you, if I give you heavy paddle with big grip, it's going to be very hard to move it around. You won't be able to respond quickly. So by being nimble, using the ability to use the wrist, you can attack the ball that is, you know, you're on the defense. If you're picking up the ball almost late, you can still attack the ball. Such a misconception that these players are playing heavy. You know, it's more, it comes from the older times. I mean, older times, I'm talking the era of, you know, Roger Federer, right? He used to play the traditional racket, heavy, but had light. All the way it was more in the handle. So that goes back to the era of, you know, John McEnroe and, you know, Pete Sampras and, you know, Andre Agassi, that players back then, it was just a natural. You used to play with heavy tennis rackets. Over the years, the weight, as the technology involves, you get more power out of the frames, out of the racket. So what happens, they are, and the, everything is really quick, right? So now they are dropping the weights because otherwise you can't catch up to the balls. Cannot even, catch up. Now, even the players who prefer the, 
like you know in a perfect world they said oh i like to play with heavy rackets but then they tell you i can't anymore because i can't the game is just too close can you tell us anything about the head racket mukova plays with don't know anything. no don't know anything and also you know with head rackets you know head is doing phenomenal jobs with the pro players obviously i mean they have you know I mean, so many Djokovic and all these you know so many but they have, you know, their engineering department is kind of designing rackets as as the players need. So they have a lot of these like engineering code. So you really don't know what it is. It's like Coca-Cola. You know, it tastes good, but you don't know what's in it. So with a tennis racket, it's kind of the same. It could be look like a speed, but you don't know what's inside it. And they don't hide it. They, you know, go on their website and they're gonna tell you it doesn't mean that this player, it's you know, it's a small print. In the small print, it says the racket may not be the same exact racket. Exactly. <laughs> uh, Novak. Well, Novak, I mean, as you know, I mean, we've talked about this, you know, previously that we've designed it when Andre was helping him and coaching him a little bit. The first thing we did was Andre called me and kind of said, you know, what do you think about the racket? So this is now going back about four or five years, you know, that we redesigned the racket kind of from scratch which was very unusual because usually what we do, you know, we go and you tweak the racket, you add a little weight or you reduce the little, little weight. With him, it was a major change, racket. We made it tiny bit longer. When people say longer, you know, it's not an inch longer. It's actually a couple millimeters longer. Different string pattern, you know, which is a huge, huge difference. Weight. Added a string. We actually removed the string because it used to be 1820. 1820 is great for somebody who it's more like the old-fashioned you know you hit you are very strong you hit more flat ball you need to control the ball you have 1820 so we went to 1819 to give him the ability to create more rotation more bite and we dropped the weight with him by about eight grams actually so that he can get around the ball and you can you can come around it and you can hit more cross court you can open up the court more and that's also one of the reasons why players can use really rackets like two heavy rackets. Remember, let's say Thomas Burdich, right? Not only me, but all the, you know, Peter Corda and all these, you know, friends of Thomas were telling him for, for many, many years, go to lighter rackets because it used to be really, really heavy. And with heavy rackets, you can only kind of play that linear tennis because you, you are just not strong enough and quick enough to be able to open up the core out wide. And that's why, you know, let's say Alcaraz, he plays racket that is unstrung weight, is like 307 grams. Tiaf grams. Light. All of it is light. light, light. No more. You, people aren't playing with 330. Very, very few. It's more like looking funny enough because, let's say, Djokovic used to be like 335, and now we brought him to like 327 unstrung. So he's still somewhat heavier, but it's, it's a reasonable weight. And all the younger guys, they all play lighter. Well, I'll play lighter. I'll play lighter, and you know, and I kind of translate it to the tennis of you know the club tennis and you know junior tennis and the college tennis. I keep dropping weights for most of the players because you know what happens in tennis. Who are the coaches? They well-meaning, but they are the guys who played 20, 25 years ago. So they used to play with heavy racket. So they go to a kid and say, "Oh, you need more weight." automatically because that's what they are used to so i kind of have to fight a little bit that you know that 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 generation 
how do you get faster? You bring down the weight. You have to bring down the yeah. weight and you have to work. Obviously, you don't want to be too light because you could, you know, you can go to 250 grams and you'll be even faster. However, there will be no mass behind the ball. You can't so crack an egg with the bracket. Exactly. So that's why you have to really, really kind of determine what's the heaviest you can handle without taking away the speed. Um, you mentioned Alcaraz. What can you tell us about him? I mean, you know, he plays with the, the, the racket, you know, the Aero 98, you know, I mean, I have it here on the wall. It's a fantastic frame. You know, it's the, the, the famous Aero like Nadal, except it's made a little bit smaller, smaller sweet spot. It's a more narrow frame, a little bit more flexible. You, it's There's a, a, pl- a player's racket. It's a player's racket. Don't give it to <laughs> myself because I couldn't crack an egg with if it. If you're a club player... That's not necessarily the racket for you. You have to be 5-0 and better. Kind of to really take advantage of the racket. And what's the string pattern? It's a 16-20 it's a on that one. 16-20? Well, let me make sure that I'm not lying to you. 16-20, yeah. Which is also, you know, it's funny because when we were designing Djokovic's racket, we had two options. 18-20 is too much. 16-18, not enough. So we basically work with either 18-19 or 16-20. We ended up, you know, with 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 Djokovic with eighteen nineteen. This one is sixteen twenty. Great rackets, but again, it all these types of rackets. A lot of time, you know, people see obviously amazing players on the so you know on TV. So they say, give me the same racket. They don't realize it's all about footwork. I always ask them about their feet first, and people say, why are you asking me about the feet? I'm talking about tennis rackets. You gotta get behind the ball. Are you quick enough? You know, is your f- movement fast enough can you be behind the ball if it is good for you then you can take advantage of the racket if you are more like you know most players myself included you know we, we are not that quick anymore so we can't get behind the ball so the advantage is lost at those rackets um marion bartoli played with a long racket do we see that anymore you mentioned novak plays a couple millimeters longer than 27 inches what what um are do we see that with any other players? You see, still you know twenty eight Bartoli was really unique because you know <laughs> the way she was holding the racket, two hands on both sides, so it really was very unique. You know, she played twenty nine. I don't know if you remember Jan Michael Gamble, who used to two hands on both sides. He used to play twenty eight and a half inches. So if you have a kid who is playing two hands on both sides, it's something I would consider. Doesn't mean you have to do it. But it just makes sense to be playing longer. I am a kind of a big proponent and I like longer rackets. I myself switched to 28 inches. You know, Solinko is now, I believe, the only one that actually makes 28 inch rackets, you know, the whiteout and the blackout. Because there is a lot of people, and you have, you know, Schwartzman, for example, he's a, you know, shorter player, and so he takes advantage of longer rackets. So he plays 28 inches. Serena, Venus, they used to play 28 inches. And Serena going, and Venus played with a 28 inch long. The whole life. Their whole life. The whole life. 28 inches. And that was the father? It was most probably the father because, I mean, he was the biggest influence. And, you know, I always funny enough, you know, I know, you know, obviously I know him for a long time and he was always fantastic. He was amazingly nice to me. Richard. And uh, Exactly. And obviously, you know, he knew what he was doing because look what he accomplished with, you know, both of his daughters. Venus and Serena played 28 inch rackets. Correct. Made and special. Made special. By exactly. Wilson. By Wilson, exactly. 
also, you know, when you go back into the era of that, two, you know, the early 2000s, late 90s, early 2000s, most players played with 28 inches from, you know, Marcelo Rios to Mel Bandy and, you know, the Swedish contingent, contingent back there used to play 28 inches, you know, and, you know, Bjorkman and all those, Michael Chang used to play 28 inches. So back then there was a lot of players using 28 inches. However, it kind of went away because back then the rackets were heavy and then 28 inches long. So you really need a tremendous strength in your forearm and muscle power to be able to handle it. So when you took 28 and gave these heavy long rackets to the public, they kind of, you know, developed arm problems. However, now that the rackets are much lighter, you can go to 28 inches with no problem at all. Um, we talked about it. The The string is really the bigger story today than anything else. Um, what can you tell us about string trends? It's, you know, the string trends, like you said, it's the biggest, I think, change in the game kind of since the invention of graphite, you know, whatever, 40 plus years ago, is really the string because... I always repeat this one same story so I can, you know, your listeners probably already heard it. When Andre switched to polyester strings to Luxilon, it was, I believe, in 2001, we were in Rome on the clay course. That is not exactly his favorite course. And, he, you know, he played the first round and he barely won with his mix of Kevlar and God. And then he said, you know what? You keep talking about this. I have nothing to lose, really. You guys were in his ear a little bit. Yeah. Try to switch. He he switched to, to, and he won the tournament with Luxalon. And after he won the tournament, he said, I'll sign anything to make this illegal because I missed every single ball. However, it dropped into the court. So he said it's the biggest equalizer on a court is this string because it allows players who are not as, you know, as precise, as exact, as such, you know, virtuoso kind of, now to put the ball in court. And everyone can swing so hard exactly. and spin the ball into the court. Exactly. I remember hearing Jim Courier say it. He said, Roddick, he plays with a super light racket. He can swing super hard. Correct. And just spin the ball into the court with the Lux. Correct. And the Big Banger. Yep. And to this day, the Lux and the Big Banger are still prevalent on tour. On the tour, you know, yes. I mean, there is obviously all the manufacturers now make phenomenal strength, basically, right? So one thing about the strengths, and it's evolved. So it, when it started, obviously, it caused a little bit, a lot of problems because people did not know that they can, that they have to go to much lower tensions. String, all polyesters by nature are very stiff strings. Stiff. So it would cause arm problems, especially for people who are not in a gym, you know, eight hours a day. So that caused a lot of problems. Also, the rackets used to be very stiff, right? So you mix stiff racket with a stiff string at high tension, and you are asking for trouble. However, over the years, it all evolved. Everybody kind of, you know, gained the knowledge that that's not the case. So now people string, even the public, you know, and the club players, they are not afraid of the numbers. So they string in the 40s or low 50s, and the polyester strings evolved. So now all the manufacturers make variety of them and a lot of them are much softer than they used to be 
And what's the what's the mantra regarding restringing and the the, the rackets going dead and flat and losing tension? Where 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 is that at? Because it's harder to break those strings. It's it was again you know that was almost like you had to learn it because people at the beginning and even the pro players. I can just tell you an example when the you know we used to do the stringing at let's say U.S. Open the official stringing, you know with the Wilson team. So it was normal to string about 2,500 to 3,000 rackets per tournament for the whole tournament, right? So when you when players started switching to the Luxelands of the world and the polyesters, the numbers went down because they said, oh, I'm not breaking it. I don't need to do it. Guess what the number is right now? You're talking 5,500 to 6,000 rackets in the same three weeks because people realize that they drop tensions. So you have to change it very very often and let's be honest there's nothing better feeling than a brand new racket off the machine that is correct. there's nothing like that even you know even let's say the pro players obviously you know they, they live in a different world so they string on a daily basis because to them it's you know it's a source of income so that has to be exactly fine-tuned you know perfectly but even you know what what i call the club players people say you know how, how often should i change it for the most part, we discovered it's about 12 to 15 hours of play. After that, it's it's really drops. It's not, you know, it's erratic, you know, it's hard to control. And so that's kind of in general. Again, you know, I don't string my rackets much because I push the ball, so I don't need it. However, people who play, you know, two, three times a week, 15, 12 to 15 hours of play is about right. By the way, you know, quite often you don't, we generally don't want to restring because we don't break. However, when you lose a match to someone maybe you shouldn't have lost to because you're flying the ball yeah. and the bracket feels lousy, you might want to think about restringing. Correct, correct. <laughs> Absolutely. Shape of string. Shape, you know, that's another thing that kind of, you know, obviously was added as all these manufacturers, you know, they keep designing, they have super smart people working on it. And then they are responding also to the needs of the players, right? So that's kind of another thing that I really like where it's going and, and the changes, right? That it's not just uniform, you know, 20 years ago, Laxalan made, you know, Alu power and that's what it is. Yes, that is the case. However, as it involves, there is a lot of, for example, these days, there is more and more pro players, and we use it here for, you know, the club players as well, that we use a hybrid of different polyesters, right? One is a shape string. Shape string means it grabs the ball more. It's not... Square string. Square, there is some square that's kind of tough to string. You know, it breaks. It has a tendency to break the cross strings a lot. But a lot of time you have, you know, you have a variety of, you know, have oval and you have different kind of oval. shape. Oval. You have different shapes of strings. A lot of it is like the, like a lot, for example, the Solenco Hyper G. Obviously, you feel the rough edges to it. So it grabs the ball more. You are creating more spin. However, and again, this kind of came out over the last two years that sometimes people say, you know, I can spin the ball really well, but I have a hard time. If I need to put the ball away and flatten it out, right? With the shape string only, it becomes a little bit harder. So people started mixing it. That let's say you put the and we do it a lot, shape string in the mains, and in the cross you put a softer round poly. So it gives you best from both worlds. So give me an example. For example, like again, you know, I just mentioned Solinko, right? For example. So Solinko hyper G, regular hyper G, very sharp edge string. 
I worked personally with Solenko quite a bit on the, you know on strings and they even designed a string for me because you know the hypergee is fantastic on the tour. I needed something a little bit softer for my club players. So they designed a string for me which is same shape, same everything, like the hypergee. However, it's much softer, so it's a little bit easier on the arm. So I had a racket strung. That's what I that's what you put in my racket. That's a magical feeling uh, racket right now. I can't get over what that feels like. I have, you know, everybody, b believe me or not, I mean, I yeah. have everybody coming to me with exactly the same And that's, that's the 125, the 17 gauge RPNY. That's the, 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 exactly. Does right. it have a name? It's just called the RPNY. We call it the RPNY slash Solenko because it's done and designed for us. You know, I ask Solenko guys for what and we discuss, you know, what to do, how to do it, what I'm looking for. And believe it or not, normally, you know, you go into testing, right? So they send you samples, one, two, three, you know, it can be 15 generations of samples. And I then say yes to this and no to this. This was a number one sample. I put it in the racket. I have a lot of different, you know, pros and former pros tested. And everybody was like, oh my God, this is like you said, this is magical. This is amazing. However, what we just started doing with a lot of people, again, more that advanced players, that we started mixing it up with a Solenko just came out with the round string. So it's the hyper G round, right? So that for that ability to flatten out the ball. So we do a mix of shaped and round. So when we see that curious backhand, that backhand that everyone's hitting now, that it's almost like a shovel and it's flat and no one and all the women on tour, they don't miss that shot. Yeah. The shape of the string is useful to for that for that stroke. What happens with these strings, it's not only the shape, but the fact that they are softer, right? So what happens if you have a let's say string that it's somewhat stiffer, right? Somewhat firmer. So the ball hits the string bed and leaves immediately. So by the time you are kind of cre wanna create something that's too late because the ball is gone. It can be, you know, one millimeter away from the string bed, but basically it's gone already. So no matter what you do after that, it doesn't help you. The softer parties, they grab the ball. So it's almost, you know, works a little bit like a suction cup. So you actually hold the ball on your strings way longer, and then you can create anything. You can almost watch your opponent where they go because you're still holding the ball. You can change direction, you can change, you know, the shape of the ball and all that. So it really creates all these, you know, abilities to people who can do it. Now I had it on, in my mind that gut was obsolete, that nobody's using gut anymore because um, the poly does the job of the, of the gut and gut's expensive, gut breaks, gut frays, yeah. gut is obsolete. And you said that is incorrect. That is incorrect for, you know, it probably depends where you live in the country. If you are in, you know, Florida in the heat and humidity, you know, and, that, that, you know, summer summer months in Florida, you probably don't use that much gut. Here in New York, we use gut nonstop all the time, tremendous amounts of gut. However, for most people, we do hybrids. Hybrid right? on the gut. And for example, <laughs> myself, right? For me, because, you know, I'm older and my I'm very sensitive to kind of strings. I had to use gut so that it wouldn't hurt my arm. Not that I would be injured, but you know, I would be sore from polyesters. Now, even you know, with this, this softer RPNY poly, I am able to use it, but I still mix it with gut. And that's what we do for 
a lot of our customers, a lot of pros use this. Look, Djokovic just won, you know, the French Open. He uses gut in the mains and he uses poly in the cross. Novak uses gut in the mains, poly in the cross. Correct. Andre used to use this crazy Kevlar in the mains and natural gut, thick natural gut in the cross. Correct. Why are why do people put the gut in the mains? You know what? It really depends where you are coming from. If you are a player who, let's say, grew up on polyester strings, and then as you progress and let's say you make more money and you say, oh, I need, you know, something softer for my arm, or I need to be able to perform, I need more feel and touch, you're going to put gut in the cross because you are used to poly, so you need to keep that in the mains. However, the people, the players who used to be with anything soft, soft multifilament, natural, straight, natural gut, it's still too much of a change for them to put poly in the mains. So they still keep the soft strings, let's say the gut in the mains, and you can string it tighter because it won't bother your arm. And then they put the poly in the cross because that gives them that additional ability to spin, to control the ball. What are we hearing about... Um... Are we hearing anything interesting about any grip technologies? Are we hearing, are people, are, are the players still using leather with an overwrap? Is there an overwrap that everyone loves right now? It's, it's funny that you mentioned it, you know, nothing really changed there, right? It's a mix. Some players use natural, you know, they use natural leather. Some players use, you know, soft, softer grips. Because a cushion grip. Cushion grip, because variety of cushion grips and, there is not one really better than the other. So everybody makes them. They are great. You know, overgrips, for example, at the beginning, it was just kind of turner grip was, you know, used by everybody. And then it evolved into these. You see a lot of players use these white overgrips, right? The white. The, the white we see the white overgrip that it feels like Federer was the first to kind of bring that into. Exactly. I just assumed everyone was just copying Roger, but that's a that's a real tacky grip. That's a really tacky grip. Again, you know, it's great to use it when it's a little bit cooler temperature. And that's the Wilson. Or are they all making them now? You know, it started with Wilson, so Wilson kind of dominated that white overgrip market. However, by now. Everybody makes it. Look, I used to make my own till recently. And after about 10 years, because when I started making it, I kind of felt there wasn't enough options. But by now, you know, Yonex, Hat, all these, you know, Technifiber, everybody makes these type of overgrips. They are fantastic. So it became redundant for me to make my own. I use that Yonex dry grap. Uh It's it's a fluorescent yellow. It's got an incredible feel to it. It's like a... It's like a thin turner grip almost. That's what, you know, the dry overgrips are basically kind of imitation of the turner grip. And again, there is a variety of those. And every manufacturer makes really good grips. You just have to pick the one that works for you. Again, you know, in the summer months when it's hot and humid, a lot of pros who who like the white tacky, they switch to that turner-like overgrips because it, it absorbs sweat obviously and then when you go back into the cooler months you go back to the tacky ones do you have any advice for um people that are wrapping their grip? I, I look at people's grips and i'm just like shocked and awed at how tragic it is do, is there any advice there I mean, not really. I mean, it's, <laughs> right. it's a tough one. Yeah, bring the rackets to RP and I'll be happy to wrap it for you. <laughs> um, well, listen, uh, thank you. Uh, you, you. You mentioned, actually, uh, the Solinko frames. Um, 
you had involvement in designing those frames. There's a, there's one that's all that's matte black, and then there's one that's white. It's you know with Solenko we worked you know obviously those guys are you know brilliant guys everybody you know all the pro tools you know they they love these guys because they still keep kind of you know the service on a personal level you know they didn't grow out of it to the point that you are talking to some machine somewhere right so and so I like working with them and you know when when they approached me as far as the rackets and helping them with the design. I, you know, said yes, and it was a long process. COVID interfered, so it slowed down everything quite a bit. But so the whole process would take probably about four years, I would say, as far as kind of redesigning the rackets from scratch, right? And and what Solinko came out with, and again, it's a it's a team effort. It's it's obviously the guys at Solinko. It's the the engineer, you know, in in China who is a you know famous engineer who'd been making rackets for decades. So it's a it's a combined effort of all of us to kind of what are we looking for, what are we doing, and then they would you know send me samples, and then I would say yes or no, and yes to this and no to that, and you know and on and on and on. A lot of you know play testers. So it's a, again it's a combined effort of a a lot of people, and it basically ended up being two lines. One is the whiteout, which is that more that I call it kind of the pro staff type racket, narrow beam. It's a foam injected, so it's very comfortable, very plush racket. Great overall, you know, easy racket, 98 head size. And then you have the blackout, which is more like, again, what I call the pure drive type. It's a three, you know, it's a 300 grams. It's a bigger, wider frame, but it's softer, more plush than, for example, the pure drive. A little bit, you know, easier on the arm. So we at RPNY, we are doing absolutely amazingly well that... You know, when we give people rackets to test, I mean, it's a winner on all fronts. Are you a believer in the training rackets, the, the heavy rackets, the Tolsons? Is that something that can work for players? I, for our I, listeners, Tolson, T-O-A-L-S-O-N, it's a Japanese company, I believe. They make a line of, you know, it's essentially like the equivalent of like a, a donut that goes onto a baseball bat that you swing it and then you get to your, then you, then you swing the regular racket and you feel stronger and faster and whatnot. I am a big believer in it because, you know, Tolson people kind of think that is this upstart company. It's one of the oldest companies in tennis, actually. Is that right? Because they, well, they were the ones who were manufacturing all the stuff for other companies. So like all the, you know, the Prince strings, you know, when Prince was on top of the world and stuff, they were all made at Tolson factories. Now that, you know, they basically came up with their own line of rackets and their products. So they are typical Japanese, fantastic, you know, exact, you know, great quality, you know, products on grips and over grips and strings and rackets. And one of the things that they came up with, you know, was the, the smaller, it's a 65 inch head size, smaller training rackets. And I am a tremendous believer I sold probably a couple hundred of those because what I call it, I call it a 10 minute racket and I gave it to pros. I gave it to, you know, to coaches, the academies that when you have a kid who, you know, is not just fine tuned a little bit, you give them this racket and you don't have to say anything. They kind of self fix how they are striking the ball. They start stepping into the ball. Self-fix self -fix. how they're striking the ball. Yep. It's it's amazing to see it because sometimes you have coaches, you know, working hard with the kit and it can take months. 
them telling them you need to step in it, you need to watch the ball, you need to, you know, don't come, don't create that heavy spin, you need to hit through the ball first before you spin it. You give them this small racket and I tell the coach, don't say anything. Give them the racket and let them be for half hour. Within half hour, they all look like little feathers. Clean ball, stepping into it, hitting through because you have to, because nothing else works. So it's a fantastic racket, kind of to for the train for the training. Listen, thank you very much. This was the 2023 uh, racket <laughs> technology recap. Um, what happens to you for the rest of the summer? You guys just keep going. Just keep going. Yeah, we are busy all the time because you know it's an outdoor season, and you know then the indoor season starts when it gets cold. So it kind of never, never stops. And you know, with the new location, we are now more, even more accessible to the public. So I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. It's so busy here. I cannot believe it. It's Monday morning at 8 a.m. and 30 people have already walked through the door with rackets and with whatnot. So that's it for me. Normally, as I, I always uh, release the guests, but since I'm in your place, I will be leaving. Thank you. Uh, enjoy the summer. Roman Prokis, uh, you are released. Thank you. Huge thank you to Roman Prokis. Thank you to Diodora. See them at Diodora.com and be on the lookout there will be more to come. Megan Fernandez edited the show. Our music is by Brian Senti. We'll be back next time with more of the most interesting voices in the sport. Until then, I'm Craig Shapiro, and you are released.